and this is a harsh thing to say, but I'm going to say it. We have more conversations about somebody when it comes to borrowing our car than we do about having a sexual relationship with someone. If someone were to ask you, if you were in a, if you were dating someone and they wanted to use your car, it would be like, where are you going? You going to put gas in the car? You got insurance? Who is Boo Boo and them going to be riding with you? When it comes to sex, we are so afraid to ask questions of who have you been with before? How are we honoring each other in this? Do you know what brings my body pleasure? I mean, none of that happens. None. And that is because we do not have, we don't, we, we are beginning in the wrong place. It's like it's sex and money are the two things that are just off the table. That's why they're the number one and two reasons why people get a divorce, because we can't even have these conversations. And it stems from stuff like this. So LR wrote, um, you know, and what about the church members who never done anything ever, but they got a seven year old child and married five years. But that ain't the baby daddy. And they keep it a secret. Right. Because everybody wants to sweep something under the rug. It's like church has taught me to be secretive. And how horrible it is too. Um, and this is what I loathe about Tyler Perry movies. I said, how did you wake up this morning? <laughs> What's up, girl? My name is Rika. And thank you so much for listening to Single You, the podcast. Whether you've been listening for a while or you just stumbled upon me. Hello. I am a certified NLP life coach. Now, NLP, let's get nerdy for a second. It's Neuro Linguistic Programming. You can Google the rest of that if you want to know the rest of the nerdy stuff, okay? So I'm certified in that area, a.k.a. the single girl's life coach. I am a self-love coach and a boundaries coach. Listen, I got that boundaries and that self-love on lock, okay? (laughs) All right, so I am your host and also the founder of this podcast and Single You Academy, which is my online coaching program, community, and resource for single women. Now, before we get into the episode, let me just put a little disclaimer out there, all right? I am not a licensed therapist, so I am not to replace a therapist, but I will say this. A lot of my clients, they have me as their coach, and then they also have a therapist because it is my job to hold you accountable to the things that you say that you want. So if you want to stop tying your worth and identity to men and stop being a man pleaser, you need help on that self-love and boundaries area, then I would be the coach for you. And maybe one day that coaching relationship with you and I, yeah, it's just me and you right here, hey, (laughs) will happen one day. You can always reach out to me. My Instagram is open to you. On Instagram, I am just me, Rika. And of course, I will put my name in the show notes. All right, that's it. I'm your host, Rika, and let's get into the episode. This is Single You, the podcast. I have a guest today because this topic is touchy. All right. And I'm excited about this topic because I feel like it's been on my heart for a while. And I feel like these conversations need to be had. So I wrote something out because I'm like, Lord, I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm nervous. Normally I can go off the top of my head, but today I'm super nervous about the topic. So I'm just going to say this. I'm so nervous to have this conversation. Um, and I'm preparing to ignore the religious judgmental comments that will probably come. Um, I'm prepared to hear false prophets. And that's why I don't believe So what I want to say right now is let me be clear. That's what's wrong with religion and society. 
we're not allowed to ask questions or have conversations without judgment, especially when it comes to sex. And obviously, let's talk about sex, baby. That's what we're going to do today. So if you are super religious, then this episode is probably not for you. Go argue with your mama, okay? This is also not for atheists because I want you to understand Jesus is my homeboy and I don't have a problem with my belief in him. I have a problem with religion and the messages I believe women receive around sex that has brought on so much shame for us. Jesus had a problem with religion too. That's why he was flipping tables in the Bible, okay? So this is only for people with open ears and those who want to hear with open ears about women trying to heal from sexual shame. You see, I started my journey maybe three to four years ago and I started reading and praying and reading and praying, doing it over and over again because I wanted to understand where I stood. I wanted to study the Bible for myself. So let's be clear again, I'm abstinent. And I promised myself that in my season of abstinence, I would use it to heal and truly seek God so I could hear from God. I don't want to hear from society anymore. And I certainly do not want to hear from religion anymore. The shame I used to have, let's say it was about maybe 100 pounds. And now I've got probably about 25 pounds left of shame left when it comes to sex. So this conversation is about my healing way more than it is about yelling at purity culture. This conversation is for my clients and the women, Christian women, who feel so judged and trapped in the shame around sex. This conversation is because the church seems to be embarrassed about having real conversations about sex. And the only thing we're told is to wait until we're married. They, there is no room for education in the church about it's going to be hard. Your body will betray you. Why you should wait, let alone how to wait. So my goal with this conversation with my guest today is to answer my questions, many of the same questions you may have as a Christian woman who grew up in the church. But also my goal is to encourage you to study the Bible for yourself. Stop listening to your pastor and that's the only way you get the Bible, okay? Don't listen and act according to me. I'm just trying to heal and talking about my ish for the last three to four years has helped me tremendously. So in all my nervousness, let's talk. I hope it frees at least one woman today. And my guest, ah, she comes all the way from Howard University. I love it. So the Reverend Dr. Teresa. <laughs> there we go. Okay, She identifies as she, her, and hers. She is an authentic and honest person, born and raised in Biloxi, Mississippi. And being a Black woman from the Deep South informs her sense of the world. Teresa is a graduate of the Howard University. H-U. H-U. <laughs> <laughs> nope. um, also Duke University Divinity School and Wesley Theological Seminary. Theological. Wait, how do you say that word? Theological. Uh -huh. There we go. Seminary. Yeah. I don't know why I felt I messed that up. She is passionate about the um, intersections of theology, gender and social justice. Though an ordained United Methodist pastor, she considers herself more poly-religious when it comes to her desire to understand God's deep depth and breadth. Now, there is more to say about your coaching program, but first I want to say this, uh, Teresa, thank you so much for wanting to have this conversation with me. I really appreciate, um, with all of your credentials, to want to sit down with lonely old me. <laughs> Please, <laughs> to have this conversation about sex. So thank you for that. 
Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, no problem. And you also said that you are polyreligious. Can you explain what that means? Yeah. So um, when we think of the word poly, poly means more than multiple, but also, um, and since we're talking about sex, I'll just go ahead and go there. When we think about polyamorous or what does that mean for pe people to be in poly relationships, mm -hmm. the, the idea around poly relationships for those who are consenting to that is that there are multiple romantic partners, but each partner knows about each other and there's consent. And when I think about polyreligious, I think about all of the different ways that God shows God's self throughout so many religious practices that I can't possibly know them all. However, I love to go to different type of traditions and religious practices. And so um, I will never know the depth and breadth of God, but I want to experience as much as God as possible. And so I am yeah. poly religious. I am um, born and bred Baptist in Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I am Christian unapologetically, but I will go to a Hindu service, a Muslim service, a Jewish service. I can yeah. experience God in many, many ways. You know, I love one of the things that you said. You said that you will never understand the depth and breadth of God, which I love that because what I get from a lot of religious people is that they do know all of God and they understand everything. And so therefore they are the only ones who are right when they're spouting at you what it is you are supposed to do and not supposed to do. Do you feel that in this religious culture? Yeah, there's a lot of um, being told what to do instead of yeah. allowing people to think and be in conversation with. Yeah. And for me, that is not faith. That is um, dogma. That is dictatorship. That is not inviting people into a relationship um, with God and to learn and to grow and be expansive. And I also feel, Rika, that um, the scarcity or the fear around asking questions or not being able to ask questions ask questions is a lack of foundation. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, yeah. if you were driving through your hometown, you know your hometown, you know how to get yeah. there, you turn off the yeah. GPS, but I don't know your hometown. So I'm staying clear to the GPS because I, I'm just scared of going anyway. Yeah. The more we know, the more we can relax. Um, the more we know, the more we can ask questions. I can yeah. get out of my bed and walk through my house in the dark because I know my house. But what if you don't know a place, you're scared to do anything. And that's right. how, how people are with faith is that um, when you're right. insecure about it, you're scared to do anything. And speaking of walking through your house in the dark, if I'm not allowed to ask you questions, well, how will I ever maneuver? Never. You know what I mean? So it's like to have you there for me to ask questions, you to hold my hand and walk me through it, then I can understand your house better. And so obviously um, this is an analogy to Christianity and that's how it should be. We should be holding each other's hands. I believe that Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit has called us to be a light to this world, right? Yes. So how is, like you said, dictatorship and dogma being a light to this world? I just, how is that? <laughs> I just don't understand. Um, if you are watching on Instagram and you want to see Teresa's beautiful face, uh, all you have to do is go to my Facebook page is facebook.com slash single you Academy. Cause we got about 50 minutes of this conversation. So if you want to see her face instead of just hear her voice here on Instagram, go ahead and go to my Facebook page. So with that, I want to go ahead and um, uh, read the rest of your bio. So Teresa is a um, challenging preacher which we're going to get into that. I love that description. Thoughtful theologian and devoted friend. 
She is also the founder of Soul Joy Coaching, LLC, which equips women and folks of color with the tools to own their deepest truth and cultivate joy. She is unapologetically uh, queer and lives a life rooted in activism and liberation theology. Teresa is a music connoisseur, avid reader, certified yoga teacher, wife and dog mom. She loves the art so much that she wanted to be an opera singer a florist and beautician growing up. Most importantly, Teresa believes that freedom is not optional. Rest is um, her strength and radical joy is her resistance. Now, you're, <laughs> you're a woman after my own heart because before I have people on my platform, I always send them a questionnaire. And one of the questions that I asked was, what was your favorite quote? Do you remember what you put? No. You put... He's very dreamy, but he's not the son you are. And it is a Grey's Anatomy quote. And I was like, I freaking love her. I love her. Because that's what I feel like I do in my business and single you and, um, you know, pushing this message of singleness is not a punishment and you are worthy regardless. So why did you choose that quote? You know, why I know why I love it, but I want to know why you chose it. You know, a lot of times women, we are told to submit everything to chase after a man, to chase after a relationship. And in this exchange between Yang and Gray, it's saying like, you have your own stuff to stand on. You come with all of your brilliance. And for me, I have to remember, like, I come with all of my brilliance. I don't need to chase after a relationship, chase after this. Um, I am the son. And so, um, yeah. I love that quote for all the reasons. I know. Me too. Me too. I love it. Okay. So this is the first question I pretty much ask everybody who is on my platform. And I've asked you it before it was in the questionnaire. Um, and so I want to know, and I ask this question because I'm, it helps me prove my point. Um, but with you, Teresa, did anyone ever have a conversation with you about what makes a healthy relationship versus an unhealthy relationship? Never. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. And do you feel that was at your detriment, unfortunately? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so because that never happened, and so that's proving my point, because everybody that I have on this platform, by the way, says no. Um, so this is why I'm having these conversations, right? Mm -hmm. um, so when you were younger, how did you learn about relationships and dating then? Yeah. You know, I think that I learned by what we teach, by what we celebrate. We teach by what we lift up. And I just learned by watching. I grew up, like I said earlier, I called it a Baptocostal church in a black, black community in Mississippi. Biloxi, Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just all of the ways that our community celebrated certain things. And yeah. that's how I got my cues on, oh, this is what's celebrated. This is what's not celebrated. And that's how we teach. What we lift up, what we elevate is, mm. is how we teach. But there was no direct conversation. Yeah. So what do you think were the things that they were celebrating mm -hmm. um, and the messages that you got from that? Yeah, celebrating um, all the ways that family looks this way. You marry for money. Um, you, you marry to have this you move up. The weddings that were celebrated weren't like the people who were like thug love. It was like the people who were married on a certain socioeconomic level. Yeah. Um, the type of family. This is what family looks like. This is what made a good job. This is what um, mm -hmm. obedience looked like. This certain type of wife that was docile and graceful mm -hmm. and quiet. Like those were the things. And pure. <laughs> and pure. Um, that was what made you stormy or martian power of a praying wife that's what yeah. made you worthy of being 
chosen if if we were to use that language here and so right um how how to be um right so that you can be chosen to be this wife this bride um Yeah. yeah and how do you feel like that affected you in a negative way it affected me in a negative way because i come from I don't come from a family where people are married, um, that I did not grow up on the quote unquote right side of the tracks with a family that had this demographic in the church that that were these upward mobile socioeconomic people. And mm-hmm. understanding what did that look like to say, you need to marry into this type of family to have something. Yeah. I'll never forget um, our local barber's son married somebody. And it was like the wedding of the town because she is marrying yeah. into this family. Um, and, and it's like, we knew nothing about her, what she brought to it. It was about what she was yeah. getting, what she was being a part of. And so this idea of I needed to contort myself to be something that um, that I wasn't. Mm. And I'm just going to say this for the purpose of this conversation. Um, when we speak of Jesus, we're going to be speaking of him as the Messiah, the way, the truth and the light. Yes. Uh, when I say religion, I'm speaking of toxic purity culture. And then also when I say society, I'm talking about the people we shouldn't listen to either. OK, because um, what we had talked about before offline, Teresa, is there is this there's one side that's all the way to the left, which is society. One side that's all the way to the right, which is religion. And my purpose for this conversation is we got to land somewhere in the middle. Um, and I believe that for me, at least, has helped me live a better life. Um, not the way uh, society has wanted me to and not the way that religion has wanted me to. And again, Teresa and I, we say we're Christian. I will let you know that I'm Christian. Jesus is my homeboy. I love him. I'm just trying to get to the bottom of this conversation. And I understand that I'm not going to be able to do it in an hour. Okay. And there's a lot of nuances, but I wanted to have the conversation. Okay. So let's, let's talk about sex now. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things. And Cause sex is supposed to be beautiful. And the Bible talks about how sex is beautiful as well. Um, but it's interesting that you say that you learned to your detriment, unfortunately, a lot of things um, that weren't right for you by the things that were celebrated. Mm-hmm. What I saw celebrated growing up is when, and I'm not going to name any names and I'm not trying to throw anybody in the bus. I'm allowed to speak my truth. But I saw a lot of women who were celebrated because they waited. And so they literally would talk about that at their weddings. Oh, she did this. Look at them. They didn't even kiss until they got engaged. They didn't have sex until they're not, or they didn't have sex. And tonight will be their first night and good for her. And she's so good. And this is why God is going to bless her marriage and all of this. So the first question I want to ask is why is our society so up in arms about sex? Right. There's the society version that tells you you need to ha- be having sex as soon as you start feeling them hormones because you got to test drive cars, which I also don't believe with uh, to believe in. And then there's the religion that says at least the message that I got, you will not get the marriage or the godly man God wants for you if you do not wait until you're married. So why do you think society and religion is so up in arms about sex? Because it's beautiful and it's holy and it's powerful and it's good. Um, 
sex is it's it's all of the things and so if you have something that's good it's like the world and the church is in competition over it and mm. how to like make you want it or make you not want it to and it's like the the extremes of scarcity of how to make you have so much of this good thing because that's mm -hmm. the world like thinking about no type of limits on it and the church is like it is so good we have to teach you not to do it at all whatsoever and yeah. so so then what happens is you get this dichotomy of this is absolutely right and we need a lot of it or this is absolutely wrong and there's a lack of understanding mm -hmm. anywhere in between and mm -hmm. so it's like feast or famine yeah 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 and then do you find that you know you growing up in the church as well that oh my goodness that there is no it's like i've said this before we graduate high school and skip right on over like self actualization self understanding into getting married and having kids as if that is like the goal but the religion or society does not spend enough time in telling us how to figure out who we are do you find the same thing Absolutely. Rika, yeah. if we were to really be honest and back up, the conversation of sex, we haven't even had conversations about bodies. Yeah. The church, our families, our homes and communities, we don't even talk about bodies. If you were to ask women, especially Black women, who told you about your period? Who told you about your breast growth? Who told you about hormones? Like yeah. a, lot of, a lot of women do not even know what their bodies look like. Yeah. Like, honestly, they could not name the their body parts. Mm. Like, we do not even honor bodies. Bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm saying that in this, in this elementary way of, so if you think that your church or your community have not had a conversation even about pu puberty and sperm and, and, and ovulation, I mean, any of that, yeah. you think you're having a conversation about sex? Honey. Right. Right. <laughs> right. We're not even right. doing basic math and you're expecting them to do calculus. Like right. it's not happening. It's not happening. Ah, and that is so at our detriment. And so what, um, I, I love how you said, you know, sex is beautiful because it is, and God made sex. What scriptures in the Bible do we see where God is saying sex is good or where the Bible says, you know, sex is good? It is all throughout scripture. Mm -hmm. I actually think we hone in so much on the negative scripture mm -hmm. um, around sex and the no, no, no. There are so many scriptures. Actually, um, some people say the first blessing in the Bible, mm -hmm. the very first blessing in the Bible was be fruitful and multiply. Mm -hmm. People think about like that, like this union of sex, these two people coming together was the first blessing. So all throughout scripture, we read about the beauty of sex, even in Old Testament, you, the Song of Solomon is all about like bodies and pleasure. And there's a lot of breast talk and touching and kissing. In New Testament, though, there's something different that's going on. They are building a society. And so these texts are about how to get these people who are from across the land different forms of belief and identities to create a community. And then it becomes a little bit more dogmatic. Um, mm -hmm. Jesus's first miracle was at a wedding this yeah. celebration of yeah. life and and community and so i really do think that um christians have given sex a, a bad rap yeah yeah and yeah that's when uh jesus turned water into wine at that wedding and because like, come on now do this because you know blah 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 so 
you said the Song of Solomon. Is that where someone can go to read um, how the Bible talks about the beauty of sex? Is that where you would direct them to? And, you know, even it's about intimacy. Um, sex is like, like, is like the, when, if we were to really think about sex as the, the, um, the, ana the anatomy of bodies getting together, sexual organs. When we think about intimacy, the Bible is all about calling us into intimacy. Even the language that the New Testament uses around bride and groom, all throughout the text, it is about the Holy Spirit enraptures us. And, mm -hmm. and like this beautiful way of intimacy that even, even when we talk about sex, we are thinking about this physical bodies together, not even thinking about the intimacy that happens between people in relationship and in and, and community. And so there's so many beautiful love stories in the text about, about sex. And, I, mm -hmm. and I'm very thankful that there are examples around that. Um, from mm -hmm. Genesis on, it is all about becoming one and this, um, the space of not being ashamed of sharing your body intimately with someone that you are in a committed a committed um, relationship with in different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you maybe have like a favorite scripture that you can point out that um, talks about sex in a uh, beauty, beautiful way that lets us know that God created it and it's not a sinful act? Yeah, you know, just right in the beginning, <clears throat> Genesis chapter two, for those who aren't theologians, aren't aren't well biblically versed, there are two creation stories in the Bible. There's the Genesis one creation story where we're we're hearing about God created the the all the birds and the bees and all that kind of stuff. But then you get to Genesis chapter two, where the people come into play and we learn about Adam and Eve. And in Genesis chapter two, verse 25, it's where it says, um, let them be together naked and not ashamed. Yeah. Being naked and not ashamed. And then Song of Solomon goes into this. It's a, it is a, it is a love story. It is a yeah. love book. It is about wanting your beloved and wanting your beloved to love you and want you back. Um, that intimacy Proverbs all throughout Proverbs. Um, so Song of Solomon's the whole book, um, the whole entire book of Song yeah. of Solomon. Yeah. Um, Proverbs 5, um, verse five, verses 18 through 19, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe, let her breast fill you at all times with delight, be intoxicated always in her love. Um, and then Proverbs chapter five, it keeps going on about, you know, this intimacy and it's, it's just this beautiful way of us to understand what it means for us to be, even Ecclesiastes talks about love and intimacy. And so yeah. um, we also have to name um, Rika the way that we, the church and society has perverted sex. Oh yeah. Um, we was going to go there. That was going to okay. be my next question. Mm -hmm. okay. yep, exactly. I just wanted to, um, again, that your theology degree is coming out because I want people to remember that I'm not just talking to anybody about this. Um, this is a reverend. Um, you call yourself, uh, hold on, what was that phrase that I really liked? It was a- um, A challenging a preacher. challenging preacher, um, <laughs> which I love, which I love. And it's not a sin to challenge and ask questions um, of the Bible and of God. And so I do wanna be clear and then we'll move into where this idea of sex is bad came from, because I think people pluck it right out of the Bible. But I do want to be clear again, society is who I don't listen to because they're telling me I got to test drive every car. 
religion is who I don't listen to. Um, and I'm trying to release that shame because they're like, this is the only way to do it. And you will not get the love um, mm. that God wants for you. If you do not wait until that piece of paper is signed um, and you have that one partner. And I just believe that that teaching is not true, whether it is said that way or not. I believe that it is implied, especially when you're not studying the Bible for yourself. Um, but I feel like the average person, unfortunately, we don't even know where to start when, when it comes to studying the Bible. Um, so I say that to say I'm very clear on what didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. Um, having multiple partners that did not work for me. That broke mm -hmm. my heart. It, mm -hmm. um, my energy was drained. I literally was throwing my pearls before pigs. Mm -hmm. Um, and I got trampled. And so, like I said, I, I've been in this space for three to four years now being in this area of abstinent and really wanting to cleanse myself and get a clear understanding on what is right for me. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm clear in the, I guess maybe dangers of having a lot of sex and with multiple partners, which equals again, heartbroken STDs, maybe children that are not wanted at the time. Cause let's be real. Some people get pregnant and they don't want children. Um, and, and it's not a happy time for them. And so I understand why the waiting is important. Now let's talk about the idea that sex is bad. <laughs> I feel like people use Paul against sex a lot right? Paul yeah. wrote over what? 60% of the Bible or whatever it is. The New Testament. Yeah. That of the New Testament. And he did say to flee from sexual sin, right? Mm -hmm. So where did we get all twisted up and saying that is like, then it's all sexual. Any sex you have is sinful unless it's in the marriage bed. Like, what do you think about all of that? Let's talk about that. Yeah, it is about, it really is misreading text out of context. Um, an example that I love to use is that Paul is writing as he's trying to create a community. So if you're trying to create a community and people are coming in, you're like, okay, we need to put some rules in place. We need to see, you know, let show people what this looks like, because if yeah. you don't, people don't have things to live by. Paul had no idea that his like way of forming community would become this, this canon that thousands of years later, we're still applying in this way of being rigid around the text instead mm -hmm. of reading into the context and what it means for us now. And so in this, um, it's almost like if we were if we were writing rules of living right now in COVID, of wearing masks and socially distanced and all this kind of stuff. And then that's like, that's what we have to do for the rest of creation. And it's yeah. like, that was written during a particular time. This is how we need to keep each other safe right now. Paul wrote these words and because of our lack of biblical literacy, because of our lack of being able to be in conversation around how that applies to us now, not, and I'm not saying sugarcoating it or dressing it up to make it fit us, but really sitting with the text, we have this anti-sex, um, this is what it has to look like, semen yeah. in the ground. Yeah, yeah. And it's all bad. I remember one time having a conversation with this mother who will remain nameless, but she was really upset about, do you remember Jennifer Lopez's per performance at the Super Bowl? Mm -hmm. yeah. And all of the FCC complaints on how sexual it was and this and that and the third, which to me, it was not sexual at all, but okay. <laughs> and how they were really upset with that. What is that? Why? She was fully clothed. 
what are we so afraid of? Um, and maybe you've already answered this, but what are we so afraid of, especially in the church? Cause she's super Christian, mm-hmm. um, uh, super religious. What are we so afraid of? What is it? It really, it honestly is, um, power. It's pleasure. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to talk about these things. We do, yeah. we do not know how to talk about power and pleasure. And so because we do not know how to talk about it, because it's something that hasn't been taught to us, because we don't have language around it, the main thing that we can do is put a fear sticker on it and say, no, we don't have to talk about it. If we say yeah. no, we don't have to talk about it. And what is so harmful about that, Rika, is that we tell people, get married and figure it all out. Yeah. And it's like putting two people in an automobile who've never driven before mm-hmm. and telling them, you have to figure it out. Yeah. And what happens is the, the real harm in that you get people together with no training, with no understanding, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they struggle and they think it's something that they did so wrong. Yeah. So they are fighting and they're struggling in their marriage with all of these things and no one prepared them. And there is no place else in our lives where we do that. No place else. At all. No place else. Yeah. Yeah. We do do not. We do not say go into the world without preparing in a way. And speaking of two people in a car, we even have to take driver's tests and pass the test to even drive a car. If you want to be a lawyer, I can't just say I want to be a lawyer and walk into a law firm. I have to go to school for that. And I can't just ask for advice from friends and I can't just be oblivious to the law. And it's like we want people to get married and wait. And then we, and then they're married, but they're oblivious to how to even have a relationship. And then not only oblivious, oblivious to that, oblivious to who they are. Because, again, where are the singles ministries in church? about how to be living your single life and cultivating that and being whole and happy into who you are. Instead, it's marriage is great. Marriage is awesome. Marriage ministry. Let's talk to the married people. Da, da, da. So then it is implied that that is the goal in life. Yeah. Or am I missing the mark? Is anybody else getting that message? (laughs) Oh yeah. And also like how manipulative it is. Like honestly, how manipulative it is that You take someone who's had no understanding about their bodies. You've equipped them nothing with their bodies. And then you say, you are going to be married to somebody for life and they are supposed to figure it out for you. Yeah. Yeah. Because honestly, I didn't really know what a vagina looked like until probably my 20s and looking at pictures and really, especially now that I'm so into figuring out where I stand and what is going to be right for me without the shame. Cause here's the thing. Let me tell you this, Teresa, this is what religion and society has done is to us church girls. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to speak from my lens, mm-hmm. a friend of mine. And I wrote down some things that my clients have said to me, cause these are the conversations we have inside of single you Academy. So one of my friends, she said that she she's married now. But back in 2010, she was in a relationship that was um, uh, emotionally abusive. At that time, Mm -hmm. she didn't know, we didn't know what narcissism and projection, what all that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm. But she read in her journal in 2021, she read what she was writing in 2010. And in 2010, she was cussing herself clean out for having, for living with a man, shacking up, um, and for having sex before marriage. And she blamed the blamed the reason why the relationship was so hard and tumultuous or however you say that word mm-hmm. on having sex before marriage. Right. I have a journal 
And it was early days at Howard University. And I wrote to myself the mm-hmm. same thing, Teresa. And we literally bonded and cried over this and some healing, more healing was happening for us. Cause I wrote the same thing. I said, you idiot, you told yourself, cause I made it through all of high school being a virgin. Um, and then I slipped up. Whoops. Okay. Um, but, um, and a few times and I wrote to myself, cussing me out for doing mm-hmm. so. How dare you? You mm-hmm. lied to yourself. God is mad at you. Here are some of the things that my, um, my clients have said they said that they learned that you find someone to fall in love with and that is the only person you have sex with and if you are going to have sex just don't get pregnant and if you have sex and you're not a virgin until you're married then you're a bad woman and this is from both sides from society and religion right mm-hmm. and then they also teach us about soul ties mm. And I know that's your bag. So let's let's get into that. So so I, I just say that to say that there's so much shame and the weight of it that religion and society puts on us because we do ultimately want to be a good girl, I guess, or whatever, right? And so then when you slip up, as God knew we were, would, I guess, all of the shame that just attaches itself to that. And then I will say this, my friend, then got married and she said it still showed up in her marriage because mm-hmm. she didn't know how to turn um, the switch off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I want, I want you to speak on that and then also let soul ties. Is that in the Bible? Is that, what is that? What is that? I, I want to start with the shame. The shame is so horrible, Rika. Um, it is so horrible because the shame comes from the sense of failure. And in the same space that we talk about God and grace and commute, like we haven't equipped this person with even the, the right information to make choices. Yeah. When I think about sex, um, my, a good friend of mine and author Nadia Boltz-Weber says it best that it's about concern and consent. Mm-hmm. This place of having concern, having consent, being, being aware of your body. So mm-hmm. You, you're responding to hormones and your bodies and slipping and falling, whatever language we use, we fall down, we get up, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. That is all marred and shame. And instead yeah. of like, okay, this, how to understand our bodies. And so I feel like it's a trick that we trick people into this double whammy of catch 22s. Like you don't mm-hmm. teach them anything about their bodies and their hormones, but no, no, no. But then when they are curious about it and engage in it, it is bad, bad, bad. But it's like, you yeah. haven't given them anything to land on. And so that shame, it's like, where does that shame come from? Also, stepping stepping back a bit, like purity, what does purity have to do with holiness? Mm. Like, what does purity have to do with holiness? Where do we get this notion that purity was equal to holiness? That You tell me, that's why I'm like, that's why I have you, right? Because you, and yes, I read my own Bible and I, and I, like I said, I've been on this journey for three, four years in 2017. That's when I really started picking up my Bible and reading my own, reading it for my own self and, and trying to understand it, uh, through my own lens instead of what I felt I was, um, told as a child. Right. Um, because the reality is my parents aren't getting, getting me into heaven. I have to do the work, right? You know what I mean? Like they're not this, no. Um, so I, where did we, where? Because holiness means what by your definition, by the Bible's definition? Holiness is like of, of God and in relationship, a communal, the yeah. Trinity. And so when, when we think about purity, what is the first word that comes to your mind when you hear purity? 
pure no, purity no, no sex a virgin and what else it, it, clean <laughs> you know clean yes white yes pure, white yes virgin yes. where did that come from i mean it came from this whole thing of patriarchy of control and controlling bodies yeah i mean all of the ways that this is a this is a female problem, this is a woman's body problem because our bodies have yeah. blood every month. So what does that mean? You're not clean. You're not pure. So just all of these like toxic ways that we've we've wrapped into to purity culture. And where mm -hmm. in the hell does that come from? Um, and I think it really does come from hell because of the way that people wear the shame around that. And then soul ties. Oh, go ahead. Well, and then yeah, and and shame keeps us secret right and so i do also believe that it does come from the devil because the bible talks about how the devil walks around like a lion seeking to devour and so we need to be alert at all times right and so what shame does it keeps us in secret and so therefore we're not sharing when the when god asks us to god asks us to share our burdens with one another god asks us if i have a problem with my brother go to my brother but when you have so much shame and you think you're the only one because i used to think i was the only like i knew people were having sex but i just thought like oh well i made a promise and everybody else who made a promise or everybody else who's a good woman and a good christian um they made a promise and they kept it and somehow i you know fell down a slippery slope and now god hates me and, and God is like, and that's why you're not going to get the relationship I want for you. <laughs> like he sit up on his perch being this petty God. And that's the thing. God is not petty. And yeah. that's the other thing is like, we go to church with all of these people who are holding all this shame and nowhere to talk about, like nowhere. nowhere to talk about it. Nowhere to talk about it. And this is the women are holding this because the men are talking about it in different ways, in the ways that we celebrate boys and losing their Girl. virginity and all that kind Girl. of stuff. And so <laughs> it, it, it does not look the same. The shame that happens, the way it shows up in female bodies yeah. is through a pregnancy. And so then there's like all of yep. the shame that's passed down and the trauma of that. And so many people in church are having shameful sex, married and not married. And I don't want that. And that's why I was like, I'm going on this journey again. I'm abstinent. So if you're just tuning in, I don't want you to think that I'm against waiting. Um, I am a against the religious lens that religion puts on sex and purity and all of this, right? Mm -hmm. um, what I am for is you studying the Bible for yourself and being in relationship with God. And that is the way that you will figure it out for you. Girl, I remember being in church one time in Indianapolis and this is, I went to this church one time and, and this and I never went back. And it was the day that the shame cycle was full circle, girl. Unfortunately, this young lady, I think she was pregnant and she was 17 mm -hmm. and they brought her and her boyfriend up to the forefront mm -hmm. to let everybody know that they have apologized for their sins. They have repented and they are going to, you know, we still love them. And just all of this, like, instead of having a private conversation with them about how they got to where they are and how they can move forward and make wiser decisions. Cause do I think it's wise to have a child at 17? Probably not, but that's between them and God. Right. And so, like you said, give them the tools to set them up for greatness. Like my people perish from lack of knowledge. So doesn't that mean knowledge around our bodies? It, yeah, I just, I just have so many questions for like religious people and stuff. So um, this, I'm enjoying this conversation. So now, well, is there anything else you wanted to say about that? And then we can cut to soul ties. Now, let's go to soul ties. OK. What do you think about soul ties? 
Again, I say, where did that come from? It comes from this place of we talk about spirit. In the 80s and 90s, especially in the 90s, especially in the Black church movement, there was a lot of things. Um, if you remember Juanita Bynum's No More Sheet, Sheets, and she, I don't know if you remember that sermon series. She had sheets wrapped around her um, as a demonstration of every person she slept with and all this, and being tangled in these soul ties with them. And she would throw off every sheet for every guy, like No More Sheets, and it was this big movement and all the mega churches. And it's like, where did that come from theologically? Like yeah. we are able to be yoked to people and connected to people, but this lifelong damnation around this, mm -hmm. it's like, it, it's not, it's again, this level of fear. Spiritually though, if we were to really teach about how we're connected with each other, the only way we're connected to people is through sex. That's, that's like impossible. Yeah. Impossible. You yeah. are in a person's body for nine months or eight months, however long the gestational period mm -hmm. is. Like no one talks about those type of soul ties, but all of a sudden we hold up these soul ties around sexual relationships. And it's, it, it's, I say that it's a, a form of, and people can come at me for this and I don't mind, um, of spiritual manipulation again, mm. of how to make, like, this is the boogeyman. The yeah. boogeyman of if you have sex with with John, you're going to be forever, ever, 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 ever tied to John. And it's like, right. is God really petty? Like, right. is, the, is the kingdom of God, is the spiritual world that petty that you are tied to this person because you had this sexual encounter with them? We're, right. we're having the wrong conversations. We're, we're asking yeah. the wrong questions. Mm. What would be the right questions? The right questions would be, how do you honor your body? Mm -hmm. And if we say your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. how do you honor your body so that when you choose to consensually enter that relationship with somebody, yeah. you are clear Yes. This person has concern for your well-being, that you are doing this not because this person. The other thing we have to name, too, is that we do not know how to value and praise women and girls in our communities. And mm -hmm. so we have to find it in so many other places. Mm -hmm. And that comes through this way of we put marriage on this pedestal of the yep. of the grand prize. Yeah. Yeah. Again. And so, mm -hmm. yep. and so the conversation is, and I think I shared this with you, Rika, of, of this place of if we really think of. We would let, and this is a harsh thing to say, but I'm going to say it. We have more conversations about somebody when it comes to borrowing our car than we do about having a sexual relationship with someone. If someone were to ask you, if you were in a, if you were dating someone and they wanted to use your car, it would be like, where are you going? You're going to yeah. put gas in the car. You got yeah. insurance. Who yeah. if, is Boo and them going to be riding with you? When it comes to sex, we are so afraid to ask questions of who have you been with before? Yeah. How are we honoring each other in this? Do you know what brings my body pleasure? I mean, none of that happens. None. And that is because we do not have, we don't, we, we are beginning in the wrong place. It's like, place. it's sex and money are the two things that are just off the table. That's why they're the number one and two reasons why people get a divorce because we can't even have these conversation and it stems from stuff like this. So LR wrote, um, you know, and what about the church members who never done anything ever, but they got a seven-year-old child and married five years, but that ain't the baby daddy and they keep it a secret, right? Because the, everybody wants to sweep something under the rug. It's like church has taught me to be secretive. And how horrible it is too. Um, and this is what I loathe about Tyler Perry movies is that anytime <laughs> the woman does anything is like, your punishment is AIDS, 
STDs. And it's like, are you serious? Yeah. And it is all shrouded in the worst thing possibly. And, and it's like, is AIDS yeah. and STDs like the worst thing possible? Yeah. Like this damnation comes and it's like, please, how yeah. do we have redemptive conversation? And now that seven-year-old child that this person talked about mm -hmm. Will now be whispered about, you know, his mom and daddy wasn't even married. You know, they wouldn't even together. From? They wouldn't and, even. And I grew up in a church where you did not baptize. This pastor said, we do not baptize babies who are born out of wedlock. So you have these two young people who, whatever mean, created life, created life. And the church will not bless the, this child's life because of how this child got here. And, are and, you serious? And then we're supposed to believe that Jesus died for our sins. That doesn't make sense because you won't even forgive me in your human flesh. So how am I going to believe that this thing that I cannot see, this deity, the, the, the reverence of God has forgiven me if you won't? And so the generational shame that's just happened, right? The generational shame that just happened that your first remembrance of being in front of a church for your parents has been that a pastor blasted them in front of everyone. Instead of saying, how do we as community rally yes. around this couple and yes. rally around this child? Right. So I say that our conversations around sex are starting way, way late. Way too and late. Way, way too way, late. And we're asking the wrong question. Yeah. I wish, yeah. One of the questions that I wish they would have asked me uh, and with having the conversation around sex and how it is a God, a God gift, I wish they would have said, okay, so we believe that, you know, maybe waiting for the right person or till marriage is maybe the best path. But why do you believe it? Seven year old child, 12 year old girl, 15, 22 year old woman. Why do you believe that's the best decision for you? Because when you're trying to like win the prize mm. of purity or mm. win the prize, which is the love of God through not through abstaining, I don't even that's that can't be the way, right? Like that's the thing that trips us up. The conversation should be Rika, Teresa, Dante, Robert, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes. And in your body, God has given you all of these hormones and you're going to feel certain things in your body. I want you to be with someone who celebrates your body, who yeah. you can have conversations with about how beautiful your body is and how mm. unique your body is. Mm. And I would love for you to have that with someone that you can trust, who sees you. Who, I mean, yeah. this conversation that's drenched in love. Yes, yes. And, and understanding that just because your vagina is WAP or you're having these feelings, does that mean that does not mean that's the Holy Spirit talking to you? Doesn't mean he's the one. Your vagina doesn't know if he's the one or not. Right. That is a natural occurrence that our right. bodies will do because right. it wants to make a baby. Um, and they didn't have your body will betray you. So we're in the conversation, like, and just and so even, you know, and even Rika, right there, I have to stop you. Your body is not betraying you. Your okay. body is yeah. doing exactly what your body is supposed yes. to do. I like that much better. Absolutely. Your yes. body Absolutely. is actually doing exactly what it was created to do. And right. how do we do it in an alignment in a way that honors you mm. and what honors you looks like being with someone who sees you and honors you. And that yeah. is, an, and then this, I am not anti-marriage. I am pro-marriage. I'm also, believe it or not, I'm pro-waiting, but mm. not in this way of like, you have to wait to marriage. Uh -huh. You need to wait to be with someone where you understand what's happening. And this person can also celebrate what's happening for you uh, and just, with you. I just, I, I wish we could, I, I feel like I have five more hours of questions. <laughs> um, okay. So I love that conversation. And 
And I want to circle back to this. Yes. So does God punish us if we have sex before marriage? What? So, so what is this punishment? Like, is the sex before marriage the punishment? Like, right. Is, so it, is was, getting, is getting a flat tire a punishment? Mm. Is, is like falling down. Like is, is, is whatever, like, what is, like, what is the punishment about the language around mm -hmm. punishment? It's like, where does that come from? Mm -hmm. And, and this is my thought, right. That I, again, I used to have this weight of, let's call it a hundred pounds for the analogy, a hundred mm -hmm. pounds of shame around sex. Now I'm around about 25 pounds. And I think the last thing that I have to get over is thinking if I do not wait until that piece of paper is signed, my marriage is doomed. That's so then, what I feel like so, I was so, taught. So then the question is, so if that's the case, what about those people who have waited and they are in dysfunctional or they are now divorced because of, it has very little to do with the sex as it does have to do with like, We've in all of this marriage talk, we've said nothing about how to live with somebody, mm. how to be, how communicate with somebody, how to be mm. emotionally available to somebody, how to be honest with somebody. Yep. So then, so then think about this: you have not had sex. Y'all are both pure, right? And celibate. You get married, and, mm -hmm. and then you are not sexually compatible with the person that you've married. Mm. So then. Where's the language around therapy around that? So then there's a lot of cheating. There's a lot of internet porn. I mean, there's all of these things that grow out of this dissatisfaction because we haven't equipped people for when it happens. So yeah. I do not believe that marriage sanctifies your marriage, that, that marriage sanctifies your sex. I do not believe that. I do know that there are a lot of Christian women who are in sexually repressed marriages. They're mm. not having sex. And there's definitely scripture that says men, husbands should have pleased their wives um, the same way that it says wives should please their husbands. Um, and there are also a lot of women who are raped in their marriages, mm. who they are not consenting in the marriage bed. That whole thing about the marriage bed not being defiled. We have to really look at that text mm. and say, what does that mean? Mm. Uh, it means that you cannot rape your wife or your husband. Like we can't be doing that. Period. I still have things over my body. Like, period. Reading. Jesus said yeah. nothing in the scriptures about sex before marriage, but Jesus had plenty to say about adultery because that was a main concern that was happening during that time. Hello, somebody. Hello. Listen, LR says she took the words right out of my mouth. What about the ones who waited and still get divorced? Goodness, how horrid not uh, to be sexually compatible. I just, it's definitely a slippery slope to think that this is the only way that I am going to get the marriage that God wants for me. This is the only thing I got to do when no, <laughs> no. Um, and that's why I have Single You Academy. Um, it's to empower you to know who you are know what you want and how to get it. Have the audacity to believe that you can get it and the patience to wait for it, right? And yeah. so again, when the Bible says my people perish from lack of knowledge, it's not a just it's not just about being able to memorize and regurgitate scripture. What does it mean? Your relationship with God, your conversations you're having with the Holy Spirit, really really um uh sharpening that discernment muscle. Yeah. There we go. I'm like what's the word I'm looking yeah. looking for, right? So Thank you for that. <laughs> one thing, the one thing I want to add to the language around punishment is that if we were to think about parental relationships, yeah, how long will your parents keep you on punishment? Mm. Like, honestly, like, is this like this life, like thinking about, I, I parented a child. Um, I, I was a parent, a parent. I was parenting my nephew. It's like, 
I, I didn't punish my child as this way of like, this will be forever for the next 10 years. You're grounded for this. It's like, how petty do we think yeah. God is like yeah. punishment really is about, I want to teach you how to do things different. So this language of punishment is really about how to be in right relationship with God and how to be in right relationship with yourself that honors you and honors God, the God in you. The, yeah, exactly. And so here, so I want to um, say this um, again is Teresa and I are not people who are like, oh, follow society and test drive all the cars and blah, blah, blah. And we're also not like the only way to get a happy lasting marriage is by staying a virgin or by waiting until you get married. Um, and so we're some, it, we gotta find where we are in the middle and what speaks to the God inside of us. Because at the end of the day, none of us are going to get it 100% right period. We live in a fallen world. That is why Jesus came. God sent his only begotten son to die for our sins so that we could have everlasting life. Right. Um, and we believing in my heart, confessing with my mouth that God died and rose on the third day. My Bible tells me I'm going to heaven because I believe that I have been baptized, blah, blah, blah. It is not the waiting. And I'm saying this to myself mm -hmm. as I feel more layers of healing happening. Um, it's not the waiting where God is like, good job, daughter. Yeah. Good job. Good and faithful servant. You may yeah. now enter the gates of heaven. You may now have a blessed life. You may now have the promises, um, that I spoke and breathed into your life because you waited. I just, I could cry. I could yeah. Cry. Yeah. The, huh. Yes. The thing that oh. I love the most about Jesus, the Jesus of the Old Testament, in every story, Jesus was meeting people everywhere, yeah. in the gutter, in the margins, like speaking life into them. Yes. And if there's anything that I celebrate about what you do, and I, and I say your ministry that you do, Rika, is that you. you are speaking life into women who've had this idea that their lives as it is wasn't worthy enough to have someone honor them. And you are worthy just because you have breath in your body. You are worthy to have good love, good sex, to have pleasure, to be met in intimacy because you are here. And my favorite, one of my favorite Bible stories is when the Holy Spirit um, shows up at Jesus's baptism and it says, you are my um, beloved son I, who, with whom I'm well pleased. Jesus hadn't performed a single miracle at that point. And what I want to say to us is that we do not have to perform a single miracle for God to love us. We are absolutely whole. And the part that makes me cry is that every single day, every single minute, God chooses to show up and love us. And if we could love ourselves enough to think about our worthiness, not being tied up to some man and some ring and some relationship, but that when I do give my body to someone, it is because I consent, because I choose and they honor the God in me and see me. And that right there is what I believe that Single You Academy gives people. I just, <laughs> whoo, Lord have mercy. You are making me tear up. I receive everything that you just spoke over me in my life. I receive that God loves me regardless. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, Jesus is like, listen, I know every hair on the top of your head. I will never leave you or forsake you regardless. Yeah. Teresa, how much time do you have? 
Because <laughs> I know you may have another meeting. I and I, I do have a few more questions, but I understand I told you an hour. So if you have to okay, go, no, we, we, we'll we can to... go, we can go a little bit longer. Okay, okay, okay. So let me reset because that was beautiful. <laughs> and I'm glad that you see Single You Academy as such because exactly. I'm here to be a light for single women, a light for all women, but definitely single women to get rid of this shame and this trying so hard to get this goal in life, which is to get married and have kids. That's what society and religion, we get it on both sides. We got to find ourselves somewhere in the middle. So I will say this. Okay. Um, <clears throat> what does covenant mean to you then? When people say marriage is the covenant, what does that mean? Covenant is an agreement. Um, it is, it's, not legal. It's an agreement. It's, it's what you promise to hold to someone to. Um, and before I believe we can make a covenant to a partner, we have to make a covenant with ourselves. Mm. Um, that is the covenant we should be seeking is the covenant that we make with ourselves that we hold ourselves to. Yeah. 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 I love that. And I love that you said it's not legal. So it's not about signing that piece of paper. <clears throat> Excuse me. So do you believe that you can have a covenant with a partner romantically with God still in it without that piece of paper that the government makes you have so you can have, I guess, uh, a tax break? Absolutely. And you know what I want to I want to push us to because when we think about single, we think about young women. Mm -hmm. So what about older people? Me moms and them who may have been married, their their spouse have died, and then they fall in love at 60 and 70. And they can't get married because they'll lose their social security benefits. And they are really truly in love. Is this like a horrible thing? Like that is that is a covenant that they've made with each other. Yeah. Like that wow. that paper is 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 a is a legality, but yeah. should but should Big Mama not have a relationship because She's not yeah. trying to get married at 70. Right, no. right, right. And I do believe in marriage the way that it's set up legally. Like I, if I do decide to get married, I will do the signing of the papers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I definitely just wanted to be clear on that because again, it helps me heal and break away the toxic programming that I felt that I received um, growing up in the church. So thank you for that. And so this is what I wrote um, on my Facebook page, which sparked this conversation, which, which then when I met you, I was like, oh, my God, we have to have this conversation on Facebook. So I'm just going to read it. And then I want to know um, how you feel about it and how you would answer the questions that I had. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll end um, on this. So I wrote, so I have a question around sex, marriage, and virginity. I've battled through and worked out a lot of shame around having sex before marriage. In three years, uh, in, three, in December, I will be abstinent for three years. And I feel like a question has been put on my heart to answer. Number one, is waiting until marriage to have sex the only way I can get a lasting marriage? Does Jesus teach that? And so I'm going to pause there. I do. I had, I wrote some more stuff, but I want to pause there and get your answer. I feel like you already answered it, but a lot of people always say, well, the Bible's very clear that we should wait till we're married, that you should wait until you're married in the studying that I have now done in these past almost four years. I don't believe that the Bible is very clear, but what say you, you being the Reverend Dr. Teresa? 
<laughs> I say no, no, no. Um, that is not the only way to have a lasting marriage, and no, um, does Jesus does not teach that anywhere. Okay. And then I know we had this conversation um, before we went live. Was Jesus a virgin? Do we know? Does it say it? Because I feel like they they speak about Mary being a virgin, but we don't really talk about Jesus and his sex life. <laughs> you know, we we don't know. Um, and the the historian, the theologian in me says like, there's a lot of things that we don't know. They were they didn't write about bowel movements in the Bible. Um, they didn't <laughs> write about people's like the, these other intimate parts about right. people's lives. So we don't know. So we can say no, Jesus didn't have sex, but. Jesus had intimate relationships with people, this mm -hmm. intimacy of being in community. So, yeah. you know, I don't want to blaspheme and be like, Jesus had sex. Right. Jesus probably did not have sex. Um, but at the same time, it's like, Jesus is fully human and fully divine. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing, and I'm glad that you say that, that we don't know, because again, a lot of religious people think that they know everything. When the uh -huh. Bible talks about, you will not know, everything. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My, we, I don't understand this whole religious push of I know it all. And therefore I am going to um, dictate the way you get to live your life. What is that? Fear. It is fear and control. It is fear and control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then I wrote, um, now I'm wise enough to know that there is sexual sin and we are to stay away from that. Um, you can have kids before you're ready. Your heart can be damaged. And let's not forget STDs. I understand that. So that's not my question. Plus, I see the damage sex has caused me. Um, and which is why I've, you know, doing the work, therapy, journaling, all of that. Mm -hmm. So again, do you teach your daughters you will never get the love God intends for you to have with any man if you um, don't wait until the very day you sign that paper? Because that's what I see that toxic purity culture is doing and teaching. And then what do you teach your sons? Um, and we kind of had that, yeah, that yeah, conversation yeah. Um, a little bit earlier. So I think I'm going to end it on that. Um, is there anything else that's coming up for you, Teresa, where you're like, we do need to touch on this or we forgot to mention this? No, I think we've touched on a lot. Yeah. Um, and this has been a really healthy conversation. Yeah. Now, thank you for having it with me. Um, you are now etched in my mind as someone who is helping me um, continue the healing process of shame around sex. And when you say fear, that has been my fear. Like, oh, well, I'm never going to have the relationship, the kind of relationship that God wants for me, because let's be clear. I want that. I want God's will for my life. And I never thought that I could have God's will because I wasn't a virgin. And if I don't wait until that piece of paper is signed. So if Jesus looks at the, the thieves and the murderers on the cross and have all this grace, Rika, I, I hope that you will lose that 25 pounds of shame. Yeah. Um, that, that you are carrying, that's not God giving that to you. Like it's, yeah. it's you carrying that. And if there's any woman, any person watching this, it's like God's grace is sufficient even for you. Um, because of you, we have God's grace. Um, and, to, and to walk into that, to walk into that. I mean, even if you're someone who feel that you've had sex before marriage and it's a sin and it's so horrible, then it's like, how do you then honor yourself so that you can walk forward and honor God in you. Yeah. Um, there's, no, there's no need to hang on to it anymore.
Thank you for that. And yeah, and that's why I chose to be abstinent until I figured that out. Um, and again, yep, totally almost there. And the day that I arrive is going to be a beautiful day. But I just knew that it wasn't fair to whoever becomes my partner. And it definitely wasn't fair to me. Um, so with that, if you need to reach out to Teresa, her Instagram is um, on the screen here. I appreciate this conversation. My Howard Bison, my Howard sister. I love you so much for it. And we I will end. Oh, yeah. And one more disclaimer. I will never tell you I'm an expert in this area. I am just speaking from my lens and what I learned by being in an abusive relationship, by not knowing myself, by not having self-love for myself and not knowing how to set a boundary to save my life, girl. So just remember that I'm speaking from my lens. And after 18, 19 years of radio, September of 2020, I stepped down from my full-time radio job to focus on what God is calling me to do in this season. And this is it. I'm called to guide you, girl. I'm called to guide women who need to hear that singleness is not a punishment and you are worthy regardless of your relationship status. That's what I'm here for. So if that's you, I want you to share this episode, especially if I say something that resonates with you. Share it with a girlfriend. Sharing is caring. Also, can you subscribe to this podcast? You will be notified once a new episode drops. So definitely subscribe and rate. Rate this podcast. Okay, please. I don't know if you know how much it actually helps like a host like me, an influencer, how much a rating, a share, a like helps us. So please help this small business owner, me, Rika, that's me, <laughs> by rating this podcast as well. Lastly, my intro. Here's a fun fact. It comes from my old morning show. I used to have this morning show on a station here in the Tri-Cities called Power 99.1. And my friend, my co-worker, one of the greats in production land, James Tyler, he had made that for me for my morning show, the Just Me Rika show. And I was like, yo, on my podcast, I need that intro back. <laughs> And he made it for me. So thank you for that intro. Thank you for the production, James Tyler. Uh, of course, it was inspired by Beyonce's Flawless. Yeah. All right, girl, that's it. Thank you so much for listening to Single You, the podcast. And we'll talk on the next episode. <laughs>